a non-American black would make them uncomfortable. She had said it, though, a few times. Once to a dreadlocked white man who sat next to her on the train, his hair like old twine ropes that ended in a blonde fuzz, his tattered shirt worn with enough piety to convince her that he was a social warrior and might make a good guest blogger. Race is totally overhyped these days. Black people need to get over themselves. It's all about class now the haves and the have-nots, he told her evenly, and she used it as the opening sentence of a post titled, Not All Dreadlocked White American Guys Are Down. Then there was the man from Ohio who was squeezed next to her on a flight, a middle manager she was sure from his boxy suit and contrast collar. He wanted to know what she meant by lifestyle blog, and she told him, expecting him to become reserved or to end the conversation by saying something defensively bland like, the only race that matters is the human race. But he said, ever write about adoption? Nobody wants black babies in this country. And I don't mean biracial, I mean black. Even the black families don't want them. He told her that he and his wife had adopted a black child, and their neighbors looked at them as though they had chosen to become martyrs for a dubious cause. Her blog post about him Badly dressed white middle managers from Ohio are not always what you think. He'd received the highest number of comments for that month. She still wondered if he had read it. She hoped so. Often she would sit in cafes or airports or train stations, watching strangers, imagining their lives, and wondering which of them were likely to have read her blog. Now her ex-blog. She had written the final post only days ago, trailed by 274 comments so far. All those readers, growing month by month, linking and cross-posting, knowing so much more than she did, they had always frightened and exhilarated her. Sapphic Derida, one of the most frequent posters, wrote, I'm a bit surprised by how personally I'm taking this. Good luck as you pursue the unnamed life change, but please come back to the blogosphere soon. You've used your irreverent, hectoring, funny, and thought-provoking voice to create a space for real conversations about an important subject. Readers like Sapphic Derida, who reeled off statistics and used words like reify in their comments, made Ifemelu nervous, eager to be fresh and to impress, so that she began over time to feel like a vulture hacking into the carcasses of people's stories for something she could use, sometimes making fragile links to race sometimes not believing herself. The more she wrote, the less sure she became. Each post scraped off yet one more scale of self, until she felt naked and false. The ice-cream-eating man sat beside her on the train, and to discourage conversation, she stared fixedly at a brown stain near her feet, a spilled, frozen frappuccino, until they arrived at Trenton. The platform was crowded with black people, many of them fat, in short, flimsy clothes. It still startled her, what a difference a few minutes of train travel made. During her first year in America, when she took New Jersey Transit to Penn Station and then the subway to visit Auntie Uju in Flatlands, she was struck by how mostly slim white people got off the stops in Manhattan, and as the train went further into Brooklyn, the people left were mostly black and fat. She had not thought of them as fat, though. She had thought of them as big, because one of the first things her friend Ginnicker told her was that fat, in America, was a bad word, heaving with moral judgment like stupid or bastard, and not a mere description like short or tall. 
so she had banished fat from her vocabulary. But fat came back to her last winter, after almost thirteen years, when a man in line behind her at the supermarket muttered, Fat people don't need to be eating that shit. As she paid for her giant bag of Tostitos, she glanced at him, surprised, mildly offended, and thought it a perfect blog post, how this stranger had decided she was fat. She would file the post under the tag, race, gender, and body size. But back home, as she stood and faced the mirror's truth, she realized that she had ignored, for too long, the new tightness of her clothes, the rubbing together of her inner thighs, the softer, rounder parts of her that shook when she moved. She was fat. She said the word fat, slowly, funneling it back and forward, and thought about all the other things she had learned not to say aloud in America. She was fat. She was not curvy or big-boned. She was fat.